Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. That it is. Mm -hmm. Madigan, have you ever been afraid that you would get canceled? On this show? Yeah. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, all the time. I think about it all the time. I actually think about old episodes. Yeah, all the time. I've grown and changed so much that I'm like, oh, I'm sure I've said, we've put out so many episodes. We're over 400 episodes deep at this point. And I'm like, definitely, I've said something that I wish I could take back. Well, and we've been called in on some things throughout the years, too. And we can't really go back and change what's been said in those episodes, even when we've gone back and, you know, said, hey, we learned this thing and let's talk about it. You know what I mean? We we can't, we can never control a new listener's, you know, experience uh-huh. going oh, through yeah. everything. But I also think about, you know, in 10, 20 years from now, things like that, when I want to go back and listen to myself or if, uh, you know, my future kid does or any, you know, I'm just like, there's got to be Something I'm saying that is going to make me look really, really bad one day. (laughs) Right. Well, we're all changing and growing and the world is always changing and evolving and growing. And I think that that's part of what makes a conversation about something like cancel quote, cancer culture in quotes. Did you say cancer culture? Cancer culture. It is cancer season. Oh, it is. Well, Um, no, it ended today. Oh, wait. Doesn't it end on July 20th or is it July 21st? It's the 21st. Okay, it ends tomorrow. Uh, Leo season is coming. By the time It'll this episode... It'll end days ago your time. Yeah. We're in the past. Yeah, we are in the past. Um, but it's something that makes the conversation around cancel culture so interesting. And I actually had a bit of trouble putting my notes together this week because I feel like this subject is so broad and nuanced and the conversation has been co-opted and weaponized by so many different groups at this point that I feel like not everyone is always having the same conversation when you're talking about and I cancel think, culture. I, I think in a lot of ways, that's kind of the topic. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's so many different types of quote unquote cancel culture. What does that mean? Is it healthy for us? What's, um, you know, what's uh, not calling in? That's what I just said that we say. Uh, what's the other one I'm looking for? Not cancel culture, but um, what's the word? I'm like accountability culture. Oh, Thank you. Yeah, accountability. Like, I'm consequence like, culture. Fuck, yeah, yeah. Consequence. Like any yeah. of those words. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talking about all those different things, because I think like anything, um, you know, cancel culture in, I guess, like our modern, you know, past couple of years really kind of hit off, hit it off swinging with like the Me Too movement, I feel like is mm-hmm. when it really started kind of becoming a popular um 
phrase for people to be saying. There were some origins, of course, that are, you know, far before that time. But to me, my first experience with cancel culture, kind of looking back on our very first episode, was encouraging people to name their abuser or to call out, especially a person in power who has been harmful to you, you know, to, to not be afraid to expose them for who they are. And I think that since that's happened and there was such a huge response, you know, when it comes to, you know, Harvey Weinstein's career and that whole story and how everything went down that I almost feel like, it kind of went crazy for a while. We, we were really digging into everybody's past and there yeah. was a time where it really just felt like every morning, who's the next guy that's going to be canceled? You know what I mean? It really did become this like thing for a while. Well, where yeah. And it, and it became this thing where I feel like shades of gray got very muddy because it was like everyone was being canceled on the same level regardless of what they'd done, right. which I know was like a, a, a huge conversation that people had. And then you, yeah. were, you were like, well, how can we even have a conversation about when it's appropriate to cancel someone and to what degree, you know? Right. So it was just, it became this big thing. And then I think that the right really like clamped onto it as something that we should all be afraid of or that their listeners should be afraid of. And they politicized it. But then at the same it. time, they use it themselves yes. so often mm-hmm. and are so hypocritical yes. and yeah. even use the phrase like canceled or, you know what I mean? Well, they'll use the same terms, but then chastise, you know, the progressive left for, you know, canceling all of their best buddies. You right. Know? Well, and they've started misusing the word as well, right? When they're saying things yeah. like the left is trying to cancel Mr. Potato Head and it's right. like... I, Mr. Potato Head still exists or the Potato Head franchise still exists. So we're not canceling anything. That's just a normal, natural progression of something moving along with the times, right? right. So like Sesame Street, Mr. Potato Head. Dr. Seuss, that was a big one. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, also I was having a conversation with Max last night, actually, because we were watching a stand-up comedy special. I'm blanking on the guy's name because I'm horrible at remembering names all the time. But... There were a lot of things said in this stand-up special that we were like, mm, couldn't say that today. Mm, couldn't say that today. Oh, so it's an old one. It was a really, this is like from the, it was from 89. Oh, okay. Oh, and yeah. And it was a white male comic. Okay. So, who yeah. was very vulgar. You know what I mean? So like you got, it was a lot of anti-gay F word. It was a lot of, there was some, um, it was just a lot of like homophobic stuff, especially that was going on. And so we were talking about it and I'm like, it's interesting because like the guy's dead. He's long dead. This happened in 1989. Do I cringe every time I hear him say something like that? Yes. Am I going to go online and start a vendetta against a dead guy? No. You know what I mean? It's no, like, but yeah, it's, it's, but that's an interesting conversation as well to have because I know that there was a lot of people or there were a lot of people who were like, I can't believe the left is trying to cancel John Wayne. Like he was born at, at this time. And yeah, of course he was racist and he said all these racist things. Yeah. And on the one hand, yeah, we can't cancel John Wayne. John Wayne is dead, right? right? And I don't actually think that his views are all that surprising. No. You know, look at him. It's not that surprising. However, do I think it's worth talking about like, hey, some of your heroes were actual bad people. Like right. they were really bad or, people actually. Or they had these flaws. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, do I hate more than anything that Judy Garland did blackface? Yeah. I hate that more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I have to live with that. And I'm going to hold her accountable to that in my head and in my heart. You know what I mean? There's like, there's things that the people that we 
that we love, that we aspire to be like, they're all human beings. And that's something that President Obama talked about, you know, when cancel culture started kind of becoming a thing shortly after his presidency ended and just kind of mentioning like, you know, everybody is human, everybody has flaws. But I think that that's also overlooking what cancel culture was initially supposed to be. I don't think it was supposed to be about nitpicking every single person's like, flaws and missteps and lack of, you know, education and growth and things like that on certain topics. I think it should be about accountability. But I think that the fact that cancel was involved in this phrase, that it made it so much more toxic than I think it was initially intended to be. Yeah, but I also feel like that was... I feel like they they made it toxic, right? Because like the word cancel came out of the black community. Like when you say cancel in reference to a person, like I'm going to cancel that person. It came um, out of what? It came out of the black community. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I feel like that was something that was very much part of black culture. Right. Um, kind of on the underground for a while. And it was a thing. I remember reading a lot for the research in this episode that black Twitter had kind of co-opted yes. it for a while too beca- before it became big in the rest of the world, which what do, I mean, honestly, is everything. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's it, cool. And then one white person sees it and like co-ops it. Yeah, you know, everybody is See, like, also jumping woke. on the bandwagon. <laughs> woke yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it started in 1991. There was a film called New Jack City uh, that used the term first. And then it was used in 2014 um, on an episode of Love and Hip Hop New York. And that just happened to coincide with the Black Lives Matter movement. Right. Well, can I say what the quote was in the movie? Because yes, it's misogynistic yeah. as fuck. Uh, Wesley Snipes, who's the actor, says, cancel this bitch. I'll buy another one. So like, yeah, it's not good. Negative connotation. I I guess what I was saying earlier was more in my line of thinking of like the Me Too movement and in times like that where I feel like the way we were trying to kind of like co-opt that phrase was supposed to be a, more about account- accountability and it became about well, more it was, than that. It was always about accountability. Like right. even with the black community, it was always about ac- accountability. So Anne Charity Hudley, who's the chair of linguistics of African America at the University of California, Santa Barbara, said in 2019, quote, when you see people canceling Kanye, canceling other people, it's a collective way of saying we elevated your social status, your economic prowess, and we're not going to pay attention to you in the way that we once did. I may have no power, but the power I have is to ignore you. So when we talk about canceling a figure like that, when we talk about canceling Kanye or Chris Brown or Woody Allen or whatever, yep. it is saying, I know you are more powerful than me, and it is an effort to take the power back, right? So yeah. it is not just about accountability. I mean, it is. It's saying like, your actions have consequences and you should be accountable to that. But it's also a way of dis- for disenfranchised people to take their power back. Yeah, exactly. Right? I actually I think I read that same article because I have the a great article. Quote, but, Box. Um, I also added a little bit of an earlier quote where the same person says, you don't even have the power to change all of public sentiment. But as an individual, you can still have power beyond measure. And I think that that says a lot, especially um when it comes to talking about power dynamics mm-hmm. and feeling strong enough and brave enough to be able to go up against that even if you're just one person and being able to have a whole group behind you that will support you in that yeah. and that's really what i see it as it should have been you know yeah i mean and i do think that that is what happened with the me too movement i feel like Correct, that is yeah. w- when we started seeing the um common phrase or i guess seeing people outside of the black community starting to use the word cancel 
it was in relation to Me Too and Time's Up. And so, yes, it was largely white women, um, you know, who were able to cancel their abusers. Um, but I don't think that there's anything wrong with that use of the word. We no, were not at all. trying yeah. to cancel Louis C.K. Did for it work? good reason. No. You know? And that's the other. Th- I mean, that was a whole other argument from another article that I read where it's like, does canceling work? Not like, really. No, because there's, you know, we can think of things, you know, people like Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein. Um, I was going to mention Jeffrey Epstein, but mm, we don't know what happened with him. Um, but, you know, there's all these people where it's like, their careers are over. They're done. There's very, I feel like there's a handful of those yes. that we can look at. You know what I heard about to, what, in doing this research? Hmm. Who's going to be in a movie coming out soon for Disney? Hmm. Army Hammer. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm not surprised, especially with someone like Army Hammer, that they just waited it out and they were, because, and I've heard this argument so many times, and I'm willing he to have the conversation. To cannibalize people. But can you, like, they're just they're just texts we have no proof i can't i can't apparently he was off in the cayman islands like working real estate or something for a while and like dipped the fuck out of the u.s but like now he's like i'm back bitches and like here for a premiere and i'm like no go away well he already was in a movie he was in death on the nile that's the movie i'm talking about oh yeah yeah that was in um i think that was did it already come out already okay this article was a little bit old but i was like what the freaking fuck yeah i mean they did take him out of um most of the trailer they showed them in some of it (laughs) i was like that's army hammer that's the cannibal it's it's weird and and he's sadistic i mean even if you take the cannibalism out of the picture the things that he's discussing are violent and sadistic you know what i mean it's like you would you want to work with someone who does that shit personally well no you know i I mean i certainly would not in general disney why are you endorsing this person well i do think that not not trying to cape for disney um but i do think that death on the nile at least they had shot it before and then COVID happened and so they had to delay the release there's a lot of movies that have been canceled because their actors turned out to be shitty I did I did extra work for some uh, reboot of the movie Valley Girl and Jake Mm -hmm. Paul was supposed to be in it and they dropped the whole project because he was like the main character he's awful oh I have a Jake Paul story he was like trying to mess with me and he was like you know who I am you know who I am and I was like I knew who he was he was like no and like his buddy was like filming him and they were like oh shit oh she doesn't know who you are and i was like yeah go die he's wow (laughs) (laughs) he's actual human trash i'm not gonna lie like he's actual human trash he he is terrible he is terrible but as far as whether or not canceling works i mean you did name some examples in which it did have an effect you know weinstein r kelly these are people for whom it has had an effect right like we as a collective stood up and said absolutely not you know spotify take his music off like we don't want this person around anymore we have decided the people have spoken about this and in those cases it did work but overwhelmingly it doesn't or it works in terms of they might lose some jobs um they might not be as public but they're not going to lose the vast majority of their income well and also it kind of depends on who you're talking to because i was reading that jk rowling yes. after she came out with her like very transphobic manifesto Got a lot of support. her sales boosted in mm-hmm. britain after yeah. that yeah you know it, it, like you never know what kind of backing 
these different celebrities have. You know what I mean? I think of another one as being like Kevin Hart was one that really pissed me off. And his so such a lack of apology for all of his homophobic tweets that yeah. came out and how he, he just so went on the defensive. That's just another one for me where I'm just like, well, I wish that more accountability had been made. The thing is, because I think that this is where, and see, I'm even nervous having a conversation about cancel culture um, because I think that everyone has very strong feelings about, you know, like absolutely you should always cancel these people throw them away and never speak about it again. For I'm never me, necessarily saying cancel Kevin Hart, but can I get more accountability than I was given? For me, it's all about how the person responds, right? Where there's a reason why there are certain people who I will never, there, I, I will never consume what they put out there. So yeah. Chris Brown is one of them. Yep. Roman Polanski is one of them. Yep. Woody Allen is one of them. Ryan Adams, both Max and I have him like blocked on our um, yeah. Spotify, whatever. There's a couple different but, musicians. But these, these three for me are three who I feel like have not successfully been canceled. They are still out there with very successful careers, making money all the time. And for me, the reason why where I draw the line with them, you know, where I draw it is because they have not been held accountable and they have not apologized or admitted any wrongdoing whatsoever. And they've continued to go on and have these careers and make all this money from it. And so I, I refuse to contribute to that. I know that like I was over at a friend's house and they wanted to watch match point. And I was like, well, if you're going to watch it, then that's fine. Like, what is that? It's a Woody Allen movie. Oh, and I was like, I'm going to go, you know, do something else. Yeah. Because I just for myself, somebody who has not been, has not apologized, acknowledged what they've done, or been held to account in any way, I cannot. Yeah. Well, it's just going to enrage you the whole time. And I think that this is also something that we talk about inadvertently whenever we do a Problematic Faves episode as well, because like a lot of times, you know, some of these people have different lines for themselves about like different things that they can handle and tolerate. Like kind of like talking about watching the stand-up comedian and they were making like really homophobic jokes you know like different people have different like tolerances for different things and I also think that's important as well and kind of like what you mentioned earlier that I think we should talk more on is the different levels of canceling and the reasons for canceling people because I think that there is a difference between Kevin Hart's tweets and what Harvey Weinstein did right absolutely and I think also allowing space for people to learn and grow totally. and apologize and come back, right? Like, because I'm all about that. Like, I'm all about people being able to be rehabilitated. And I love a good redemption arc. I love a good redemption story if it's real, if yeah. it's genuine, because if it I isn't don't think, performative for the media right, to make more money and make I don't your think money back. Any one of us would want to be held to that standard of like, Everything you do goes on your permanent record forever and you can never work your way out of it. You can never do anything to be good enough to redeem yourself. Right? That's like, where we do have to have empathy. Yeah, like I don't think that's fair to yeah. say that because people grow and change. I've grown and changed and evolved and will continue to for the rest of my life. Like, right. So I don't want to be held to that standard. However, I need to see genuine growth. I need to see that you've understood what you've done and why it was wrong. And I need to know that your apology is not only genuine, but you are making strides to make amends. Like, Yeah. And I think that sometimes time comes with that too, with depending on what you've done. If you can show growth over time and sometimes like not be, I think the other issue that I have so much of the time is like, 
celebrities grabbing at the spotlight in order to make up for their mistakes where it's mm-hmm. almost like it's too much it's like I'm seeing too much of you you know what I mean it's like you need to give me more time you need to give yourself more time some growth space things like that come back to me later that kind of thing you know what I mean and I, I can't think of any off the top of my head but I do know that there's been many you know musicians and actors out there who have recognized that you know maybe they're going down a wrong path they aren't being the person that they want to be in their lives they take a step back you know grow a little bit when they feel ready, they can come back to their careers, things like that. I think that right. everyone should I, be introspective. <laughs> I think Aziz Ansari did that. Yes. Um, you know, I think he's an example of that. I think he's also an example. And again, I know that everybody's going to have different opinions on this. I think he's also an example of someone for whom, for me, it felt like, are we going to put him on the same level as a Weinstein? That was a big topic right? of conversation. Like, when, because I think that was kind of the first time that everybody was like, whoa, whoa, wait, should we be treating him the same as this? Right. And because, that's not to say that he shouldn't be held accountable no, for that I mean, shitty behavior. For because a refresher, you know, he, you know, would go, he went on a date with a woman or maybe there was multiple women. I can't remember. That it, was the told, one, it was one woman. There was one yeah. woman who like told a, told a story about how, you know, she had come home with him from a date and he was just kind of relentlessly pursuing her. Pressuring you know, her. Pressuring her to have sex and kind of like come on come on which is it's super shitty we've been in that position it is awful but I've also known like guy friends of mine who have like said that stuff when they were younger and now we're like holy shit or like or maybe didn't mean to do it but like said something that was pressure you know what I mean like I think that especially in like the media that we consumed that especially young men consumed when we were growing up certainly showed a very different picture of like what consent and sex and what looked was like. acceptable absolutely exactly and yeah. that's not an excuse because no. like I know many men who never would have acted that way but I also think that there's a there's sometimes like a blurred expectation where they're like what well, I thought this was okay yeah you know I do think sending Aziz Ansari to the corner and saying go over there and think about what you did exactly was was fine like yes. I, I could because I do feel like he made a woman feel very unsafe and very uncomfortable and in a situation needs to acknowledge that. whether or not he meant to like that's shitty and like shouldn't have happened he did issue an apology right like but i have no problem saying like no all men take note that shit that he did is not cool and i'm okay that we're having a conversation about how this is not cool and should never go down because it makes me as a woman on a date feel very uncomfortable and unsafe it it started a conversation as well that i think that a lot of women haven't had with you know even their partners or yeah. the people, Dates, their friends, their, yeah. their guy friends, things like that, where it's like, yeah, this happens a lot and it really fucking sucks. And it's not Don't okay. Do that. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I think there was a lot of conversation where people were like, well, throw him completely away he's just as bad as Harvey Weinstein and it's like I don't think he's as bad as Harvey Weinstein I don't even think he's as bad as your Louis CK's right yes exactly I I don't think definitely not oh my god so there's degrees to which we need to be viewing this under and I think it the degree to which you know the offense how bad the offense is it should be comparable with the level of cancellation and the ability for that person to return or not um you know because there's absolutely under no circumstances that i can think of 
even if he was super, super sorry that Harvey Weinstein should ever return. No, 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 no. Or Bill Cosby or right. Kevin Spacey. Exactly. Or, I mean, exactly. any of those, there, there are certain people where we have to hold them to a certain level of regard where we're like, no, actually, fuck off, you're canceled. But I think that for a lot of other people, it's about being like, hey, the person you love so much, they did something pretty shitty. Let's let's talk about that. Let's look at that. Because it let's can also, also not yeah. just idolize these celebrities yes. as being these perfect beings beings that are exactly what we expect them to be all the time and it really sucks to find out that someone that you you know really look up to has done things that you don't agree with that really really sucks but I think that it is important to take them off of that pedestal a little bit too instead of just having a very you know parasocial relationship with them you're able to see their flaws and acknowledge the fact that they're just like the people in your life as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, that was such a celebrities. They're just like you moment for me. <laughs> They're just like. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Us. Yeah. <laughs> no, but but seriously, and I think that it can be scary. It can trickle down. And there's a lot of um, people who have talked about the cancel culture phenomena um, and people who are not just right wing, but also progressive people have had conversations about whether or not we think that it is something that's healthy um, for for people to be growing up in because a lot of young people, there were studies done with a lot of young people who hold a lot of anxiety now moving through the world, people who are in college and younger um, about everything that they do because they're very afraid that they're going to do or say the wrong thing. Right. I get that. I also just kind of feel like that's more of a conversation about not being shitty to people. I don't know. Because like we were just talking about the different levels of standards for things. I think that we should have a certain level of holy shit, everything I say and do on the internet is there forever and yes. everyone can see it. I think that there's a level of anxiety that needs to be there. Yeah. Um, but I, I also agree. think that like, I don't know. I, I, I understand where that's not a positive thing for people to be so scared of what they're going to say and do on the internet all the time. But I also think that like, that's a really important thing to practice is like being very like Conscious. aware of everything yeah. you're putting on. Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely think that better to err on that side than we were all just wild westing it, you know, back in the day. Oh my we God, there was no protections. Anything all. on the internet, you know, which is why so many people in our generation and older have been canceled or on the verge of being canceled because you can we go find back. their MySpace pages mm -hmm. or some shit. Yeah. And we didn't even think about we weren't things thinking back then. about it. Right. And I mean, and there are even things in my life of like times that I've bullied people and like, oh, absolutely, you yeah. know, where I just feel so shitty where I would be like, if someone found out about that 
horrible thing I said and did when I was 11 years old, I would be mortified. You know what I mean? I think, I think I understand it in terms of like there being this fear with everyday people that didn't used to exist. It used to be something where it was like, oh man, if I ever get famous, I need to hire a company to go back through all my stuff and 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 clean clean it it up. Right. Um, because all of us had have said something dumb and often times for our generation, most of us have said something dumb on the internet. Like we just, we have, um, but now it's not just that now it is also everyday people. Right. And this, this phenomenon, um, kind of started on the internet. I found this very interesting. I I read an article, which article was it? Cause I read a couple of Vox articles, which were very good, Right. but this was a New York times article and it was talking about. Um, kind of the history of cancel culture. And in the early 2000s, there was a phenomenon that swept China and it was called Renru Susao, something like that, which translated as literally as human flesh search, which is not a great, it doesn't translate great in English. Very squid game. But the wording was meant to suggest a human powered equivalent of a computer search engine. So basically what this was, was a request would go out on a website or whatever, and it would be web sleuths, web citizens um, who would act as at-home detectives in order to find out information about objects or people. So this Why? was a time, it was the early 2000s, search engines were new. It wasn't just like Google. What were they what like Google searching is. like random people? I'm confused. Like what was the point? So I don't know exactly. I think it was kind of like, hey, it could be objects or people. So it's like, hey, what is this thing? And then you had the wealth of knowledge of other people on the internet to be like, like, that's what that is, right? Like, uh, I can educate you, I think. Um, But then it evolved into people would be sharing pictures of politicians who like, there's this politician who's wearing a, you know, $50,000 wristwatch whenever the people in his province are starving. And so then they would find out all the information about this politician and they are basically excise him they would get him out of the community they would dox him right they would do all of that stuff and they started doing that with other people on the internet as well you know not people who were seen to be like kind of anonymous they would figure out who they were dox them basically and cancel them in society and at the time the people of the West believed that this was not something that could possibly happen here. When but there's been, but this is the thing, like I forgot to mention this earlier, but when we talk about doxing somebody, we're also talking about like shunning people. Like that's been around forever. Yeah. And it, it's happened it in, and it's happened in Western cultures it too, has. you know, but I think the fervor of the connectivity of the internet. Exactly. Has, that's what's, what's made it things. different. Yeah. yeah. So when the New York times ran a feature on this phenomenon that was happening in China, um, one commenter wrote, I am surprised by the intensity of the searches. And I think this is an Eastern trait. Most people in the West can't be bothered. We're too individualistic and well served by existing mechanisms. And then there was an editor of a China law review who made a similar um, argument in an, in an essay, noting that the human flesh search was a, quote, grassroots effort and thus far more likely to arise in collectivist China as opposed to Goa alone America. And of course, they were wrong. Very, yeah. (laughs) You know, um, as soon as we all kind of like collectively got on the internet. Well, we love to see one another fall, don't we? You know, we love to find the flaws in people and see them fall. And I feel like that's a very Western... And we love to be we we love to collectively be angry like nothing unites Mob mentality, us yeah yeah nothing unites us more than a common enemy right, right like yeah. it's like if we can find somebody and then also there is that element of wanting to 
have a little bit of power and like we don't have any our yeah. system is designed for us not especially to have especially against these big politicians exactly. and people that are making decisions for our lives you know i think it makes total sense like what other power do we have to say or do anything and I know what that feels like to be so angry that you just you almost just want everyone to know about it and feel validated in it, too. Like, I understand that want of wanting to just like completely go out and dox this person for any sort of reason. You know what right, I mean? Or you just want justice. I yeah, mean, I, whether it I be right that, or not, like, I understand that feeling. You yeah. Know? I mean, I know that we're both pretty justice oriented people. Like, I feel like I'm very justice oriented. It's why I get so mad that like Woody Allen gets to just continue to make movies. Right. And why does Netflix keep shoving Dave Chappelle? down my throat right yeah it's just it's one of those things where I'm just like I don't you shouldn't have been able to escape the wheels of justice the way you have and still be this like celebrated person so it's not a vendetta against you as a human being and I just want to see you fall I want to see justice done in this situation and then there is also this element of these are considered to be like the elite right like Woody Allen has like five houses and makes millions and millions of dollars every year and he gets to be a shitty person who just gets to live his life doing that not on my watch yeah right? exactly so we we start feeling that way about it but I think because there is this power of the collective behind it that is why right-wing politicians have gotten so upset about this. Right. Well, and I feel like the other thing that right-wing politicians can cling to with cancel culture so strongly is this idea of free speech. They always talk about how canceling is like going against free speech. And it always just really grinds my gears when they say that because free speech does not mean that you get to say hurtful, hateful, violent, violence-inducing things to people you know what I mean I think or that, you can but there's but you have to understand the consequences of yeah. course right exactly so I I just really I hate that argument because I don't think that when we are talking about free speech we meant like say anything you want no matter if it hurts somebody like fuck it whatever yet for some reason that is what so many conservatives have clung to these days where they'll say something really hateful or really awful and just be like what like free country free speech I can say what I want I mean, the what are you gonna is, do cancel me you know what I mean like it's just it yeah, kind of all though. runs in right but it all you know? kind of runs in together and then these politicians are like to be canceling someone over their freedom of speech right well know? that's that's the issue right is because when freedom of speech is talked about, freedom of speech just means that you are free from prosecution. Right. If you say something to someone, you are free from prosecution unless what you are saying is incitement of hate, hate speech, right? Right. Like outside of that, you are free of prosecution. You are not free from social consequences of right. the things that you say. And as a society, if we are moving in a certain direction, the consequences are going to change. Like there was a time when you could have a comedy special and say, you know, derogatory slurs against gay people and people kind of just allowed that to happen. You can't really do that so much anymore because our society changed. It's right. not it, like that's what happened. So you have you have societal consequences now 
for for doing things like and that. And that goes into your job as well because everybody is moving in the same way. So I think it's like, well, why would you fire someone over something like that? Well, it's like, well, because they're living in our society. Right, and this is how we And function. this is another form of punishment. And because if you're behaving that way, your employer probably doesn't want you to be around, and, you know? And you're making other employees who should feel safe feel yeah. unsafe. Like there are all kinds of things that go into it. But the right has really decided to portray this and they, they have in a big, big way, you know, personalities like Tucker Carlson have equated um, cancel culture or the woke mob culture um, to things like genocide. Right. (laughs) You know, and they've, they've really kind of hammered this home to the point where polling in during the 2020 election showed that people on the right were far more aware of cancel culture than people on the left, even though it was people on the left who were perpetuating, quote unquote, cancel culture more often. Exactly. And they often depict people on the receiving end of cancel culture as innocent victims of this, you know, mob mentality. Like they didn't do anything. And can you believe they're being attacked for no reason? Which, as we just said, just because you are free from criminal prosecution doesn't mean you're free from me calling you an asshole. Yeah. Right? That's like, my freedom of speech, calling you an asshole. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I think it's kind of important to have a conversation about why. Why are they attacking this so hard? Because they truly are going after this in a real, real way. They're saying that they're erasing history, encouraging lawlessness. Hashtag uncancel America. Uh-huh, exactly. So there was a journalist, uh, Shamira Ibrahim, made the point that the panic stems from the collective organizational power that online spaces provide to marginalized communities. uh, Social media is one of the few spaces that exists for collective feedback and where organizing movements that threaten conservative social standing have begun, thus compelling them to invert it into a philosophical argument that doesn't affect just them, but potentially has destructive effects on censorship for even the working class individual. So... They are going after this issue so much because they see that it does have the actual potential for change. Now, as we've already said, it's not always super effective, but they see that it could be because anytime all of us are together saying like, hey, that's actually kind of fucked up and it's impeding our progress and we should do something about that. If enough of us feel that way, that's when it is effective. Right. And so they want to pump the brakes on that as quickly and as hard as possible. Yeah. Right. Like, so they're going to hammer it home in every sense of the word. They're going to make it seem like anybody who's trying to cancel anybody is like evil and they're censoring you and how dare they, you know? Which is so unbelievably hypocritical because there's a few examples of the opposite happening that I wanted to bring up that are really big stories in, in their own right. So remember Rebecca Black? Yes. This isn't really a political one like the conservatives were after her. But no, this but- is just a really big like she was canceled hardcore. Yes. Like this girl did. She was 13 and did like a cute little music video with her friends. Was it annoying as hell? Yes. yes. Was it cringy? cringy? Yes. Yes. Was she 13 years old and having fun with her friends? Like, let her do what she wants. This poor girl is being sent death threats. She and her friends were getting food thrown at them. At them, Like, it's 
awful. Oh and yeah, and, and Monica Lewinsky. Uh, I mean, that was can, that was another one that I wanted to mention. Did you watch the John Oliver one on public shaming? Because he had yes. a whole conversation about this that I thought was fascinating. It, very, very. I can't remember yeah. all of it because my memory sucks. But yeah. yes, I do remember him talking about it. But Monica is a really important one because she was only 24 years old mm-hmm. when she had an affair with the president of the United States, Bill Clinton, and the media put all the blame on her instead of blaming the president who was in the position of power. Yeah, and um, considerably older than her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Monica Lewinsky has actually been a very big voice in the cancel culture movement. She's written a book that's a lot about cancel culture, and there were a lot of different articles written where she's discussing this topic. So there was an article that she did with Rolling Stone, and I pulled a quote from that, and she says, we need to actually divide cancel culture up into what the pieces are. What are we talking about? Are we talking about a Me Too scenario where someone has been a sexual predator, abused their power? Are we talking about a scenario where it's a company? Or are we talking about something that's a racial issue? Is it a misstep from somebody who actually really does anything like that? Is it something somebody said from a long time ago and they've evolved as a person? Mm -hmm. And I think that those are just necessary questions to ask in order to answer whether or not we should be treating this person so harshly. Mm -hmm. Is it because of our own prejudice or because of how the story makes us feel, especially when it comes to Monica Lewinsky? We we held our president and a white man at a higher esteem than this young intern because she meant less. She was less powerful. Uh Yeah. And her career didn't matter as much. Right. And it was funny to us. And I think that that's part of it, too. And I hope that we are at least our cancel culture is evolving, I hope, in that I really feel like with Monica Lewinsky and with, um, who was that? Who, there were all the jokes because she cut off her husband's penis. Oh, uh, Lorena Bobbitt. Lorena Bobbitt. You know, I feel like a lot of the things that happened at that time period were just like, we are making jokes because we think this is funny. Yes. Right. And we're not taking into account the detrimental effect that this is going to have the real life, real world consequences on Monica Lewinsky's life. Yeah. You know, if if you wouldn't be too triggered, I highly recommend Lorena documentary Mm -hmm. on prime video. It's so good. It's such an important story. But, um, another one that I wanted to mention because it was pretty recent was Kathy Griffin after she came out with like Mm -hmm. the beheaded Donald Trump picture, you know, know the right went bonkers over that I mean she was put on no fly list like it was really really terrible she was very very scared and that's just like the kind of comedian she was um and there's two more that I really want to mention because they were really big stories back in I believe 2003 I can't find it in my notes right now but the chicks were canceled after speaking Mm -hmm. out against the Iraq war and you know President Bush being from Texas you know, Natalie Maines was threatened with death threats. The band almost broke up in their infancy because of the pressure that was put on them for speaking out about how they felt. And in line with that, Colin Kaepernick, you know, was completely right. canceled by the NFL mm-hmm. after kneeling for the national anthem and lost his entire career. Well, yeah, I mean, and they've they've tried to effectively cancel using legislation um, the teaching of any kind of like race related talk the 1619 project in schools um things like that they've tried to actually put legislation in place not just saying like i don't like this right right where because i do a legislative canceling right i do feel strongly that you should whatever your beliefs are even if i think that they're wrong you're entitled to support or not support whatever you want whatever you feel you aligns with your worldview and your beliefs. And I have to remember that I feel that way because I want you to treat me with that same respect. It, exactly. I say, you so, know, it's not so, always easy. Absolutely. You know, I don't 
always agree with what you do or don't like or what you do or don't support. But I do believe in your right to not support something. If you don't like Colin Kaepernick and you want to burn all of your Nikes and never go to another 49ers game ever again. So be it. So be it. That is your right. But what you don't get to do is start writing legislation because you don't like that somebody is doing something. Um, You don't get to send them death threats. Right. There are things that there are lines that you don't get to cross. I don't I think Woody Allen is a piece of shit molester. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to send him a death threat. And I also think that there's a level of protection on the Internet with it being anonymous as well or not seeing someone face to face. You're not saying it to this person's face or talking about it in a room with where the person is there. You are in the safety of your own home on your phone or on your computer and, and discussing these things most of the time where I think really, you know, it makes people braver to say things that they maybe wouldn't say. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me because you can voice your opinion like I have many times on this podcast about people that I I don't like and don't want to support you can voice your opinion about that um, and you can choose not to consume their media so if you are mad at Disney because they put people of the same sex kissing in a TV show or something, right? Or if you're like, going to cancel Disney because they put Army Hammer in a movie even yeah. after all the cannibal shit. Whatever, like, wh- whichever way you're going. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to consume that media, that is your right. Nobody is going to strong arm you into going to the next Disney movie or going to Disneyland. Nobody is going to make you do that. Yeah. You don't have to give them your money. I do feel like, you know, most of us, regardless of which side of the political spectrum we are on, the wealth gap in this country is massive. Most of us fall below we are at middle class or under at this point so where we spend our money it is a powerful statement about what we believe in we can use our dollars to speak politically and i think that everyone has the right to do that if they want to right right? so in in that way i'm just like it's Everyone has the right to cancel anyone based on their own personal, like, I'm yeah, canceling. Yeah, for their own lives, but you can't for their pressure own other people exactly. to do the same. I think that you have every right to express it. And if a lot of other people agree with you, all uh, you know, Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, all these other things, I, I do think that's important. You should yeah, still also, be able to step forward and at, call people out. Look at what you're canceling them for, okay? Yeah. Because I do think that there's a really big difference. And again, don't spend your money at Disney if you don't want to for whatever reason you might have. But there's a big difference between being like, I want to cancel Disney. I want the whole company to go under because I don't like that two people that are the same gender kissed and saying, hi, this was a predator who serially went out and raped women. Yeah, very different. I think that collectively we should be able to say like, this should not even be a partisan issue. Like, (laughs) that's not cool. That person just sucks. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I just wanted to close by saying, you know, I think that cancel culture comes from a place of accountability and it comes from a place of marginalized communities wanting to have their voices heard. And Mm -hmm. that has oftentimes been um, communities of color, women, members of the LGBTQ community. I mean, those have been real strong advocates for certain people to be canceled for social reasons. And I think that those things are Good, And I think that that's cancel culture at its best, I think, for us to grow and evolve 
as a culture, we have to say publicly, this behavior is not acceptable. We won't accept it. And I think that also sends a message to the people in those communities that we stand with you, right? Like we are, we are here to protect you. We're protecting you. Um, and I think that that stuff is really important. I do think on the other side of that, at its worst, cancel culture can be this thing that drives people further and further into their own little like hole and they get more and more defensive. And if if we feel like they can never come out of it and they can never change their mind and they're going to be stuck there no matter what they do. Right. So I just think that it's important to think about cancel culture in terms of allowing space and grace for people to be able to change their mind and come out of it um, if ever they show a desire to do that. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, that's all we have on that topic today. If there's anything that you want us to discuss in the future, you can go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or you can direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. Last but not least, if you haven't done so already, go to your Apple podcast app and leave us a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show. It really does help us a whole lot. All right, that's all we have for you today with all that being said. We encourage you to raise them. Bye. Some of the best content for kids is both entertaining and educational. And with 5 for 5 Trivia, not only do kids get to learn from each week's brand new theme, they also get to challenge themselves by playing trivia. A Parents' Choice Foundation Silver Award winner, this fast-paced trivia podcast is perfect for kids ages 6 to 12. It's released five times a week, so it's a quick addition to your daily routine and a fun challenge to get five out of five right on trivia topics like animal sounds, time travel, fictional ghosts, and underwater exploration. So get your high fives warmed up and check out 5 for 5 Trivia, available wherever you listen to podcasts.